0: humbly and faithfully. Amen. This morning, I wish to say a few good words about a much maligned concept, the institutional church. I know, I know. I've heard the concerns before, and I understand the shortcomings of congregations and the institutional church. Of course I do. Not only have I heard those shortcomings, I've experienced them. But I remember about 10 years ago in this very sanctuary, I was, had led a memorial service, and then in the reception afterwards, a visitor came up to me and said, you know I used to attend here. I can't think of the preacher's name, he said, but, but he, he was pretty good. I said, oh, Bob Kemper. And he said, no, that's not it. I said, Ken Syme? No, he said, and it doesn't ring a bell. I said, Ed Manthe? He said, yes, that's the guy. Good preacher, liked his sermons. Well, our prodigal member must have been gone for some time because Ed Manthai concluded his ministry here in 1960. But then our prodigal member said to me, unannounced, I left because I really don't like organized religion. I don't have much fondness for the institutional church. I, he said, Find God in nature. I immediately responded, I, I get that last part. I experience the divine in nature often as well. And I have to admit, I wanted to add at that point, but that still this still might be the right place for you. I mean, if you don't like organized religion, you should be here 10 minutes before worship starts. We are really disorganized. But mostly what I really wish I'd said is, You know, it's in community, it's in the institutional church, and it's not in a walk in the woods, that my limited understanding of God is broadened and deepened. It's in the congregation, the institutional church, that my biases about God are challenged. It's in the congregation that my understanding of God, as I said, is broadened, my bias is challenged, that leads to a growing faith. And that doesn't happen without a congregation. A congregation that seeks to be diverse in thought, but united in Christ. Remembering that exchange caused me to consider this question for the annual meeting sermon. This is, of course, an annual meeting taking place in the midst of a global pandemic which has caused us physical separation. A year in which everyone is saying, we won't simply go back to the old ways, to the old norm, but that there will be a new normal. So it's in that context, I wish to consider a question that a friend of mine asked publicly in a devotional. Why, why? will congregations and churches still exist in 2021? But then my friend goes on to suggest a surprising, at least it was to me, but I think hopeful and helpful response. She wrote, congregations are here to protect the Jesus story. Protect the Jesus story, but not only protect it, but to pass the story along with integrity. And with integrity means to broaden and deepen each other's understandings of, limited understandings of God, and to challenge our biases about God and enrich each other. I mean, that is the foundation for a congregation diverse in thought and united in Christ. Well, I just mentioned that everyone says that we're not just going to go back to the way things were, that there will be a new normal. And I don't know exactly what that new normal looked look like, but I will share some ideas in the coming weeks. But here's what I can assure you, is that the world will always, always need communities, institutions of faith that protect the Jesus story with integrity. Institutions that witness to God's requirement that we love kindness, we do justice, and walk humbly together with God. Our new norm will include protecting, by sharing, the Jesus story of an uncompromising justice for all, but an uncompromising justice that is married to a relentless grace. That's why the church will still exist. Congregations will also exist, not only to carry forward and protect the Jesus story, but we will be here to help one another learn to trust. My friend wrote that she never understood why people care so much about the word believe, said the Jesus story really isn't something we believe, it's something we trust. We trust that God is love, that God is justice, that God is forgiving. And I wish I had said to that man at the memorial service 10 years ago that trust, trust only grows in the fertile soil of community. If we try to go it alone, fly solo in our faith, too often I think we would end up concluding what one writer said about looking at the world. He wrote that when I read the news, I don't know if I believe in God. Because I think the worst thing that could be said about God is that if you look at the world, God is an underachiever. And I think that is how it can feel if you try to go it alone. That is how it can feel if we don't have others, others to testify to us about God's goodness, about God's justice, about God's forgiveness. That's how it would feel if we go it alone and don't have each other to care for one another, to have the arms that embrace us, the hands that wipe away our tears, the lips that speak a word of comfort when we hurt. Without each other, God would look like an underachiever. But friends, it is in the give and take of a beloved community. It's in meals shared, it's in coffee sipped together, and it's in the tears and smiles of shared grief and joy that we discover each other's experiences of grace. Diverse in thought, united by love. Trust and faith grow in community. That's why churches will exist in the new norm. But I want you to know that community has always, always been the Christian story since the very beginning, since the time Paul was writing letters to the early churches. In an essay in the New Yorker magazine just last month, a historian points out that Christianity provided its early adherents with something they had never experienced before in society consolation and hope in community. And his conclusion is that the ultimate impetus for Christianity spreading in the Western world wasn't really the Apostle Paul's letters and his visits, but it was, and I'm quoting him here, the attractive, liberating, and effective relationships, and community found in the earliest churches. The Christian message of a God who loved you and thus, because God loves you, expects his followers to love one another was something entirely new to the Western world. So you see, right? The old norm was, and the new norm will be, grounded and in protecting and trusting in the story of Jesus' uncompromising love of everyone, wedded to a relentless forgiveness. That is our past, and I pray it is our future. We, of course, don't know exactly what the future will bring but we can conclude this that when not if but when our church or world stumbles and faces another crisis when we do that i hope we will remember the example of the saint thomas church in moose river ontario yes moose river ontario St. Thomas Church is located on an island in the middle of the Moose River. And every year when the river freezes and then the rainstorms of the spring come and the ice breaks up, that island on which the church is built often floods. And it did the very first year St. Thomas Church was built, and it was built almost exactly the year we were founded. And in that first flood, the church literally was being lifted off its foundation by the rising waters. And the members rushed around and found ropes and literally tied the church to the ground. They then decided that in whatever their terms and words were, that they needed a plan for their new norm. And rather than moving the sanctuary to higher ground, they drilled holes in the floor of the sanctuary. And most of the year, to this day, the holes remain plugged. But when the spring comes, the rains fall, the ice breaks up, and the waters rise. They open the holes, and the water drains out. Our church does not know the future, but we can be certain there will be crises and floods to face. But friends, we have a plan. Let's call it Plan A. Plan A is us, together, as a community of Christ. Our plan is to protect, share, and trust in a God of uncompromising justice, but an uncompromising justice that is married to a relentless grace. And with that is our foundation, the floods will always recede. That is our plan A. Maybe you're wondering, what's plan B? There's no plan B. It's simply justice and grace together. That is the foundation for our future. It will be all that we need to build on if we do it together. Amen.